There you go. The dancing. And the dreaming. All at once. Pick up your shotgun, go downtown, shoot some people. Hi everyone, this is the Who You Looking At podcast with Michael Macarola and Ben Lewis. It's always good to see you, Ben. Um, yeah. It's very chilly today. Yeah, it is. I'm freezing my ass off. It, yeah. My toes were cold. Cold toes. Cold, cold to the bone. Cold toes are the worst. I know. I know. Um, how was your Christmas? My Christmas was good. It was pretty low key. Uh, yeah, we just kind of hung out at the house. We always host it. Did you hear my voice crash this time? It's okay. I love. I feel it. like I, could, I feel like I could have gotten away with it if I just kept talking, but you could have. Yeah, it's all right. Um, yeah, it was good. We I woke up at like nine thirty, contrary to you know exactly what we were talking about last episode, where I used to wake up at like four thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, uh, well, you have to get rid of that act early, you know. Yeah, I came downstairs. <laughs> you should have just for the fun of it done it again. <laughs> anyway. I, know, I know. I came downstairs and um, I gotta be honest. When and I'm gonna sound like a brat. But I was kind of disappointed that what was under the Christmas tree, because um, we have a stocking, right? And then so I did my stocking first, and it was all shaving equipment. Oh yeah. And I was like, "Here's some wipes for your butt. Here's this spray. If you spray this on your balls, it'll make them less moist. That's exactly what it's for. That's it's nice. called ball spray." uh what's is it actually called it's actually it's called ball called, spray it's actually called ball spray it's a white can it's like you know <laughs> six now, inches tall i'm just picturing your dad being like no i know back when i was 22 no my dad I needed this <laughs> my dad know he'll need this my dad says listen dude i use this every single day <laughs> <laughs> uh i have really sweaty balls and i feel like <laughs> <laughs> and i uh i think you could get a lot out of it um so he uses that. He usually, I mean, he's always been very like open with his ball management. I feel like. With yeah, no, I'm I'm not surprised. I can see that yeah. from him. Yeah, but he gave me some ball spray. He gave me some extra razors, a thing to like hold my razor in. So I was like, okay, this is you know. And then I moved on to uh, my stuff that I got under the tree and everything from Santa, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a bag of popcorn, <laughs> a bag of like sugar covered popcorn uh like caramel corn or, or essentially but not like it wasn't caramel but it was like essentially that kind of vibe where it was like is this something that you were like dropping no. hints like yeah i could really <laughs> use some popcorn no. this year this is why i was uh not happy but oh, man. i got a bag with um knockoff joy cons okay that are like 30 bucks or something okay yeah which i'm like totally fine with because well here's Joy-Cons the thing stupid here's the thing check back in with me and like I don't know, three, four months. Yeah. And if they're still going like strong, strong, we'll check back in again at a year. Mm-hmm. And if those are still going, they probably are better than the regular ones anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm honestly hopeful that these are an improvement upon the normal Joy-Cons. But I only got those. That was like a free Christmas gift because my uh, dog ate them and it was my parents' fault. So they were yeah. like, okay, we'll give you these. Um, what else did I get? It was just funny because like, okay, so we had the... In- 
I got like very minimal gifts under the tree. And I was like, okay, I mean, this isn't really what I asked for. Well, the older you get, but the I don't care. You, <laughs> you know, like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, yeah, I'm. I got plenty of Christmas gifts from other people throughout the day, like aunts and uncles and grandparents and stuff. So yeah. I was happy. I was like, you know, I wasn't pissed off or anything. Um, and then at like eight thirty at night, after we had dinner and after we had dessert and after a lot of people left, my dad went up to go change to like pajamas and stuff. And he went into his closet and he was like, oh, fuck. And he came, he like called my name and he, I ran upstairs because I thought he was like hurt. And he, he had on my desk, he laid out like two D&D books, oh. a Greek mythology book and like, you know, 20 And pens. that made up for everything. And I was like, <laughs> this is, it. and it was literally like everything I asked for. Uh-huh. In like a bun in like a bundle, and he's like, "Yeah, I got this for you like the day you asked for it, and I just forgot about it in my closet." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that my, wasn't even a part of Christmas. It's just like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, this is this is for Christmas. So I started off the day being like, "Gotta admit, this is like one of the worst Christmases I've ever had." I got like nothing from gifts and stuff, and then at the end of the day, it was like, "Oh, I got exactly what I wanted. This is the best Christmas ever." Uh, so, I feel like that might have made it better. You know, it brought you down just to build you up that much higher. Yeah. No, it was it was a good time. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm and glad. Besides that, it was a chill day. Uh, we had a lot of food, which was nice, and um, we had like my grandparents and my dad's side over. Nice, was, nice, which was pretty cool. Um, How was your Christmas, Ben? I'm glad you asked. Yeah. I'm really glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Mine was spent vacuuming up the water that leaked from my sump pump. Yeah, what happened? I only saw a video of it. Um, so. Uh, a Christmas miracle happened. A Christmas miracle. Christmas miracle. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I think Santa knew that we were Jews. <laughs> he just sabotaged your honest. House. He Sab- probably, you know, uh, that myth that Santa doesn't stop to the Jewish people's houses. Well, that's a lie. He comes and he sabotages us. Damn. Um, what a bastard. I know. So, uh, no. Anti-Semite. Our, <laughs> uh, our sump pump uh stopped working okay and because of that water started collecting in my basement no sir it's not good and big burp that one i blew away from the microphone you're welcome actually i'm feeling burpy as well and that's not normal for me especially on the podcast let it go you let it go it's your turn i uh i i I got some mouth gurgles (laughs) (laughs) some mouth frogs mouth frogs um, a croak in my throat, a burp. Yes. Uh, so because of that, it stopped the water heater from working. So we didn't have any hot water for like that entire day into the next day until the plumber mm. came by or plumber. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Plumber. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, you know, once we, we didn't actually know that right away, we kind of just figured it was the water heater that broke, but it really was the sump pump. Anyway, we spent that time using our water vac, whatever that vacuum thing is called. I don't know. It's, it just sucks up the water okay. and it's, it, and it's not like that large of a container. So it, I think we went through like, I got to be like, maybe like 10 Mm-hmm. different full buckets that we would then have to take the lid off. I would roll it to the corner of our basement with the, like the drainage hole and dump it into the hole oh, and then bring it back over, re put everything together and start sucking up the rest of it. How long did it take to fix or at least to clean up? Ah, uh, like it honestly wasn't terribly long, maybe like an hour. 
Okay. Um, I mean, comparable to when Sandy hit and we had water up to the third step of our basement. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, that it's not the same thing. But yeah, you know, was fairly quick. And then after that, we had our, you know, the the the, the typical tradition mm-hmm. Chinese food. Um, I'm gonna mention this right now. It's the only place open. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, you said it last time on the podcast. It's the I know. Only place that's open. why. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Um, and I went there, the best Chinese place in this entire fucking town, Shout in this out, entire bro. fucking state. Shout them out. Golden Walk. Golden's Walk. The best fucking place in the world. All right. And I have other people that would argue with that and they would be wrong. So I went there and this is proof that they would be wrong. Why is it better before you go into what happened on Christmas day? Um, what do they do different as opposed to all other American Chinese I forget, places? I forget what, uh health thing it was because they they did i the only reason i was put onto it was from a friend of mine who would go there because it was the only chinese place at least that he really knew of that had some like he he couldn't eat he wasn't allowed to eat certain things uh like like that's like a almost like a base in every chinese diet and every chinese food and that place made meals without it i forget i really forget what it was No, that's the only like ingredient that I know is in and out of Chinese food. I I really, I really forget what it was, but he put me onto it. And, and so I stopped going to the place that my family went to for like years Mm -hmm. and started only going to there. Then I got my family hooked onto that because it was so much better. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, the, the, the lo mein is amazing. The fried rice is amazing. Yeah. The chicken is uh, just, it's just all good. They have these little donut dessert things that unfortunately I was not able to get on Christmas, which I will get into. Yeah. Um, but they're like, their version of a donut is like, it's almost like a larger, like a double the size munchkin. And instead of like powdered sugar, it's more like a crystallized sugar around Ooh. the edges. And it's just so it's, they're good. They're like six of them for like, I don't know, four bucks, maybe three nice. bucks. Like it's so good. Anyway, giant frosted munchkins. Yeah, basically. That's awesome. Uh, it's like, uh, Frosty the the Munchkin Man of Frost. <laughs> God damn. Um, Frosty the Snows Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he comes to life when you put a low mane noodle on him. Oh my goodness. That's a scarf? Yeah. I mean, it's usually a hat. So what's the hat for this? Um, They have another like dessert thing. That, okay. Uh, <laughs> Like that fried dessert, whatever it would be. Yeah. A deep fried thing. Um. I got, so I, we tried calling them for like 15 minutes. We tried calling them Mm. no dot, like not even a dial tone. Like it would, it it was a busy line the entire time. And so I was like, dad, like I can just, I'll just drive over there and I'll just place the order there. Yeah. Bad mistake. They don't, they're not taking the orders also in person. Mm. So the phone line's busy. And I had no idea that there, and so I'm, there's a line there when I get there. And there have been people that, some people, a mixture of people that have paid, mixture of people that haven't paid, some people that also haven't placed an order, other people that were able to somehow get through and call an order in. And then one guy was like, oh no, I placed it online through like an app. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't even know they had an app. And like, they don't, but it was through like a third party app. Like Grubhub or... Seamless yeah, but it was called something menu, like beyond beyond menu, I, I think. Okay. 
And so I found it on there, placed it while I was there, mm-hmm. uh, and then waited on this long ass line that there was really no line because no one knew what the hell was going on. They had this counter that was yelling out numbers, but also not in the right order and like not saying them correctly. And so no one really knew when their order was ready or if it was ready. Yeah. And I'm going to cut it a little bit short because it is a fucking heavy story, mm-hmm. but I was getting flashbacks from my DMV overnight. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. And but did you have to pee? I didn't have to pee, but I was getting like severe flashbacks of like waiting <laughs> out in the cold in this DMV compared to waiting out in the cold for Chinese. I was there million. for an hour and a half. Oh Jesus. Waiting for my Chinese food and made bonds with some of with the guy there that we were both like back and forth in line, you know. Great guy. Um it's a main yeah. difference between us. I would never talk to a random stranger in a line about Chinese food. The thing it's 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 about it's the the weight of the line that unites us all. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's what it is. That's what's so wonderful about Disney World and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz you just wait online all day. You just literally, you go to places and you're like, this line's well developed, you know? There's just shit around us. It might take me four hours to get on this ride, but at least I got a nice line to get there. Yeah. It took us, the longest line I've ever waited on at a theme park was to get on the um, Avatar ride in Animal Kingdom, which is like this crazy VR experience. It's honestly kind of trippy. It's very like Matrix-esque where you're like on the wall. And you're all, like, experiencing Is it, like, a 4D kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. You, like, get on this fake, you know, like, the winged creatures in Avatar? The The lemurs? No, no. This isn't Avatar the Last Airbender. This is... Oh, you're talking about Avatar. Yeah, the the blue blue people. people. Okay, that distinction needed to be made, because I feel like you never talk about Avatar the blue people. Because it's the lesser of the Avatars. Avatar 2, the blue people. Yes. (laughs) That's the new movie. (laughs) Because it's a lot worse than Avatar the Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. I'll stand by that. Yeah. Um, So, obviously, when I say Avatar, I always mean Aang. But now that we're on the same page. Now we're on the same page, it's it's those, like, pterodactyl-looking things. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. They have, like essentially like motorcycles like the side like that kind of shape okay. but it's like meant to be simulating the you riding one of those things and it like takes you on this vr experience and it just it really just pull you in like it's a really fucking good ride that's sick but i waited online for it for like two two hours and 30 minutes at least if not longer like with my parents and stuff like that jesus and was that like when it first came out no, that was, no? Like, that was like a year after it came out. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, it, it is Animal Kingdom, so there's not that much to do in Animal Kingdom. So yeah, I guess so. It being the only thing, it being one there. of the only main rides, yeah. But yeah, we waited on it because it was raining and because we wanted to go home mm-hmm. immediately after. We're like, yeah, let's just get on. It's fine that it's two hours, and then it <laughs> ended up being like two hours and forty-five minutes or whatever. And my dad was not—he was not happy. You just brought back memories of a like probably the only memorable 4d thing that i've ever done Mm -hmm. was years ago maybe i was like third grade fourth grade and it was with my camp and i was taken to i don't even know what it was i think it was a museum if i remember correctly it was a museum Mm -hmm. and they had if you want to call it an exhibit i guess but it was a brand new thing that opened up it was a 4d theater okay that what they were showing was spongebob oh it was a small, uh, I guess, like, short animation that they made of 
you know, the typical thing, planting, stealing the Krabby Patty formula or like okay. the Krabby Patty itself. And it starts off with like SpongeBob on this, on his like unicycle and him like going to the Krabby Patty and like you feel wind going by you when yeah. he's like on it. And like, um, you get sprayed with water when like, mm-hmm. uh, in the intro, when you're at the Island, you know, at the Island on the top of the thing before you go into like, yeah, the yeah, like yeah. under the sea, when it goes under, you feel the splash. Oh, that's cool. And then, like, when he's making the burger, like, he'll flip the pickles in the air, and then you get a waft of pickles through mm-hmm. the actual thing, which is kind of, you know. I mean, I like pickles, so I didn't really care, but, like, I can see how that might be a little gross for There's some lot, people. I mean, it's better than the Bugs the bugs Life yeah. theater thing. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have not. There's, like, a, um, a stink bug scene. Oh, God. And they're, like, they're, like, just spray you with stink bugs gas. And they just have and they have awful. attendance on every row, just like yeah. shooting, spray, shooting <laughs> yeah. like the uh, the liquid farts at everyone. Well, no, it's like a, it comes from the seats. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you like the 4D ride? Because that's like, dude, it was hands down amazing. Like really, at, especially for the age I was at, dude, I yeah. had a blast. So you I need was... to go to. I mean, we say this every time we talk about Disney and Universal, but that's all of those parks are. They're just 4D rides. Like there's there's like three roller coasters, and they're all, you know, all the other 30 of the rides are. I'm okay 4D. with that because I would like to do every roller coaster. Yeah, and then I I would obviously want to do the 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 3D 4D experience things. Yeah, but also if I never get to those, I wouldn't be like upset. You know, mm-hmm. like it's one of those things. If I go to a uh, amusement park and there's all these rides I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to ride all of them, but sometimes I don't get to them. And I'm like, oh, shit, I wish I could have done that. I wouldn't feel the same way over there because I'd be like, oh, I really want to do one of these roller coasters. And I would love these like 4D experiences, too. But I'm not as sad if I miss one of those. There are certain rides that people are going to tell you that you need to go on if you go to Magic Kingdom. And those yeah, rides are usually like, oh, you got to go on It's a Small World to, just to get the experience of it. Uh, you don't uh, yeah, need no, to go on It's gonna a Small say, World. I, I, I already you don't cringe at that. I don't want to. You don't need to. There's I'm other... glad you told me that because I personally... Probably would have fallen into the trap of like, oh, my No, I no, get... I personally would not have wanted to. And I'm glad you confirmed that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I've been on It's a Small World probably two times in my life. And it's just not fun. <laughs> like and it's it just such sounds... a it's such a long line because everyone's <laughs> like oh we gotta go and it's a small world especially uh-huh. if you haven't been there but even my like and my uncle who've been to disney like a thousand times because they that's like their vacation mm-hmm. um they go on it every time it's probably an old head thing and what an old head thing you know like old people yeah like, it's, it's it's the yeah. nostalgia of like this is like it's a new parents thing and an old like person yeah, thing. yeah. this because... is like the new i'm not new it was like this is like oh like this is what started it. you know like this yeah. is the beginning of these rides it is one of the first rides that was there that's what i'm saying yeah. so like that's why they like it for like i think the nostalgia factor of it mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to think of what you would like at disney specifically i feel like you would I went on um, Space Mountain one time with my brother. I've always wanted the to last do that. time. That's a really fun one because that's a but that's one that you can really goof off in mm-hmm. uh, because it's only two people per car. Okay. So if you're like with a friend or like a sibling or something, it's really silly. That's great. And it's kind of it's weirdly like a mouse ride. Like it doesn't like have the, the same yeah the mouse trap things, but um, it's like deceivingly fast. 
I like that. Where like yeah, but it's only fast because you're like, making you guard. You're making tight you're making turns. Tight turns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the new Mickey Mouse ride in uh, Hollywood Studios is fucking crazy. So good. I think we even talked about it on the podcast already. But um, everything around you was fully to like all oh, traditional animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that was the best. Mm-hmm. And they inter they like weave it into real life props and stuff, and they project to animation onto oh, like that's cool. actual models, and so it looks like you know it's actually there in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's really really good. I'd love that. Yeah. I'm a huge Mickey Mouse fan, so we will we will go eventually. I we say that all the time. I know but we will, we will then. That's <laughs> we don't. It's worry like about it's it. like. Don't, don't don't lose faith, man. We don't. We're, 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 we're going to go, man. <laughs> we're going to get there, man. That's <laughs> uh, honestly what it's going to be like for us, though, because I know I'm going to go with you. It just might be a while. It just might. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, probably a while. <laughs> Mike's like, oh, tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I, it's it's a doable trip. It is. Because we is. could drive there. Oh, yeah. My parents are probably going to move oh, there. for sure. So if, we, if my parents move there, we have a place to stay, so we don't have to worry about that whole oh. thing. Dude, if that that would be perfect, I I will probably go to your house and be like, yeah. So you guys thinking of uh, moving mm-hmm. to? Uh, they are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. My because my sister wants to go to school down there, so they're trying to get in state tuition for. Really, uh, that's yeah. going to be hard. It is going to be hard. They would have to move like now. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're thinking. Whoa, not well. I, I don't want to talk about no, it. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. um, yeah, my brother's already down there for school, so he goes like every that's weekend. True. And, uh, I'm sure your brother would love it. <laughs> yeah, having us down there with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I finally have my freedom in a totally different state. <laughs> finally alone. <laughs> and then we're all down there with him. Uh, I'm not moving to Florida. The rest of the family can. I don't really yeah, care. No, shit. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I'm I'm going to stay in New York probably. But um, it'll be a good excuse to go to Disney whenever I want. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Eat, cheap place to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think you know what we're going to talk about. Yes. Is it a nice Disney transition i gotta admit say it for me we're gonna talk about the movie soul um and i want to because i watched it last night you watched it the night before me yeah i watched it on christmas on christmas i watched it yesterday at the 26th um we're gonna do a spoiler like a spoiler podcast like i'm not doing a spoiler yeah no so if you haven't seen it and you really want to see it go see it yeah. It's on Disney Plus. Like, even if you have to, like, not listen to the rest of this podcast, because I don't know how long we're going to talk about this for, because yeah. I feel like I could talk a while about this. Yeah. So, if if it takes that, just just stop listening right now. And but thank watch you for that. listening but thank to you. this portion of the podcast. But and if you're leaving right now, wear a condom. Yeah, please wear a condom. Go wear a condom and then go watch Soul. And Maybe then at come the same, back. Maybe at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> just put one on. You're going to need that, because you're going to... I haven't really <laughs> dipped into the whole like female con. I want to like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Have a contraceptive. Of any Everyone kind. can wear a condom. Go put one on. Yeah, uh, but also go watch Soul. It was the be- one of the best Pixar movies, if not my personal favorite Pixar movie that they've made, at least in recent memory. Like, it's a masterpiece. Nostalgia outside, like out, you know, getting rid of the nostalgia factor of like Toy Story and Monsters Inc. Yeah, I think it's one of their best made movies they've made. It's a masterpiece. It yeah. literally is in in every aspect in okay. story. We're gonna get into it, folks. So if you haven't, left oh yeah, already, no, I'm, I'm already leave. past that. If you haven't left by now, you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a fucking masterpiece. Like obviously, I don't even I don't even know. Can I, we let's uh, for those that may not know what it's about, let's give a little synopsis of what the movie is, Mike. It's about a jazz musician um, who is 
uh, struggling in his being a professional musician and he's a band middle school teacher for band or whatever. Uh, and then he auditions for a gig with this famous jazz musician to be part of her like band. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, after immediately after he gets the gig, he ends up dying. Uh, and then he refuses to die and, uh, meets a bunch of uh, essentially like goes through the process of mentoring this other soul yeah. who doesn't, who never wanted to live and has been resisting it for like thousands of years. He ends up going to what they refer to as the great before. Yeah. Which is where new souls get their traits yeah. and things like that to become people. Yeah. And once they're ready, <laughs> get set down to earth and that's when they, the babies come out. Yeah. And some of these, some people who die get put there to like usher people into, into like, to like know. mentor yeah. the, uh, the new souls mm -hmm. before and help them. And stuff. Um, so fucking good. And I want to, your dog is barking right now. Oh yeah. Can you, uh, yeah, get that door. I forgot. We kind of left that Lucy, open. Lucy, do not bark, friend. All right. Good. Door's closed now. The door's closed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to start off by saying what is probably on a lot of people's mind when they first hear that. This is indeed a children's animated movie. I agree, but and, also disagree. Well, I, I just want to finish this yeah. thought. It's a children's animated thing. Obviously, it's Pixar. It's a it's a 3D animation Yeah movie introducing a very hard and in most cases for many people horrifying topic yeah in such a brilliant way that us as adults can view it and get such a like such an introspective experience out of it and a kid can watch it and lose the fear that's attached to what it is and, and and gain so much insight for what the age is that they might be watching this at. I think what Pixar has always done, which is brilliant, is that they've made childhood movies, like movies for children and young teens and stuff like that, palatable for adults too. But what's fascinating about that is that, you know, comparing their old movies to this movie is that the movies were always like 70, 70% for kids. Right. And the 30% for adults, like, mm -hmm. yeah, they tackle big themes, but they're really meant for kids to explore those themes <laughs> or like to think about it in the future. <laughs> I'm just going to roll past it. <laughs> <laughs> to think about it in the future and then be like, Oh, that's what that movie was saying. Or this was, this is what helped me to like try to process their thoughts. Yeah. But what this is really to me, and the reason I kind of mentioned that I don't think it's really a kid's movie, is that I think it's for adults, but it's vague enough when you're a kid to just kind of be like, oh, it's a cute story about a, a guy with a cat, and he, like, body swaps and mm -hmm. all this other stuff, and he has this unique, like, witty banter with this, you know, soul and stuff. I feel like kids are not going to get as much out of this um as the adult watching it right now and then when they become adults they'll reflect and be like oh that's a really important movie because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i think 
I'm, I agree with that, mm. but I also think it goes a little bit deeper, and I think it hits on many different levels. Yeah, I think it has the very young kids who, yes, are going to see it for what it is on the surface. You know, oh, this guy becomes a cat, and the uh, the new ghost thing becomes him, and they yeah. switch bodies. Then you're going to have like what I would say, twelve year olds to fourteen, fifteen year olds. Yeah that are going to see it as, oh, they're talking about a pretty serious issue, like, not issue, but a pretty serious topic yeah. in a more lighthearted way, in a more uh, positive way. Yeah. And then as the adult, we see it as a very, like, I, I'm not even kidding, like, had a very eye-opening experience while watching it. Yeah, me too. I looked at it and... Uh, this is going to be, so, so basically, uh, he sort of amounts, like thinks of his life as nothing Mm -hmm. and his whole life, you know, he's a band teacher in a somewhat like it's portrayed as a very like inner city school, you know, none of the students really care all that much about the class. His jazz never really took off anywhere. Um, and he finally booked this gig and he dies right before getting that big break that he was waiting for. Yeah. And, uh, aside from that big break and he thinks like his life, like amounted to nothing, you know, he, you know, he was just going day by day pursuing that big break and pursuing that huge, that huge thing that was going to take off in his life that he was like, this is what my purpose is. And this is what life is and stuff. Yeah. When, he then comes to that realization that life is precious and everything that he's been experiencing is all part of life. Everything he has, his family, experiencing the leaves fall, the 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 wind, eating something, like mm-hmm. eating something that you like, experiencing all those things, teaching students, and I'm not saying all of them, obviously, but there's one particular student who's really good. And the past student who he's now like. And the past student who is now a professional drummer mm-hmm. show like showing that you had an impact on their life. Like all of those things amount to him, his life having meaning, even if it did end where it ended. Yeah. So obviously he's trying to get back to his body. He wants to get that gig because he thought, you know, no, like this is finally my big break. I'm not going to let like death stop me from finally getting what I should be getting. Like something that I, yeah. I so, to make my life worth meaning. And he, almost like like he he gives that uh he gives that up to the soul and is you know after realizing that his life did have meaning even if it didn't accomplish all the things that he thought that he needed to accomplish and yeah. and then he accepted the fact that he is okay with dying and he moment. accepted the fact that he was okay with dying yeah and that and everything that he experienced in life was precious yeah and, but what's crazy is that, like, they express that idea so clearly, but he didn't say anything. Like, like literally him just giving back the past to get back to Earth, and this would make sense if you saw the movie, back to 22, and then waking up, going to the great beyond or whatever, like staring at it, essentially mm-hmm. staring at death, um, and then being, he was stopped and he was given a second chance, but 
him like closing his eyes and being okay with him just going there was just like the it's like they just did it without any like they did it with no effort it was like crazy i mean yeah. obviously there's so much effort put in but like the uh the the use of those badges to earth mm -hmm. where like that's like you know once they finally complete their fullness of their mind of all their traits and their 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 thoughts and who they are as a person or who they're going to be as a person mm -hmm. then they become you know ready to go to earth and the 22 the character that doesn't want to go to earth mm -hmm. never finds that completed thing yeah. and until not until 22 experiences life for real in uh the main character's body does she i guess as a girl yeah. realize that you know it's not that she's trying to find that one thing that makes her life like oh this is going to be my thing in life yeah it's the fact that life is that thing and i don't know if this is something that like obviously everyone experiences this but maybe artists think about it enough so it's at the forefront of their mind but like um for an artist or for a performer or for like a professional um sports player or something like that doing what you want to do is what gives you your life purpose essentially you know that's at least what you're told mm -hmm. and that's what like this movie is about and what's great is that he was given the chance to actually fulfill his dream like he did it and he felt kind of worse off he was like oh that was it and what was crazy what was great was that you know he accepted the fact that there was other stuff that gives his life meaning. Mm -hmm. And this is such a big problem that I've found, at least in the artistic community, at like school at least, which is what I've only really experienced, is that there's this obsession with becoming an artist or making a project or doing this and this and this. Mm -hmm. uh, and they basically, it's like you need to throw your entire life away to dedicate your life to something. Um, or else, you know, like you're going to be a failure and you're not going to be a sculptor or a painter or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and the movie tackles this in such a, like the whole place where you find your flow and your zone and you like really get into your, your work mm -hmm. is the same place where you kind of lose yourself and you get detached from life and you kind of become the embodiment of anxiety and depression. Yeah. Those things I got to admit, like, and you would know if you watched it, that, f that freaked me the fuck out. That scene seriously of the, gave uh, me fear. Like of those like sand monsters, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was basically souls that, um, it, to put it in, in very easy to understand terms, uh, one of the souls that they save in the middle of it to mm -hmm. like kind of show the example of it is an office or not an office worker, a stockbroker. Yeah. Uh, in the stock exchange. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're thinking right now. Which cut deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. is a, it was a stockbroker who was like it showed uh, his soul being like you know they turn into like these mind numbing things that just roam this field and that's it mm -hmm. and. Uh, it showed the real life person and it's just this guy sitting at his desk with like the stock numbers going in the background, people, yeah. phones ringing, all this stuff and him just sitting at the desk doing that. And then when they save the soul in that like 
almost soul purgatory world. Yeah, this ethereal plane where you just yeah. kind of, yeah. Where you're just kind of, like, dead inside. Mm-hmm. He, like, wakes up and he's like, what am I doing? And, like, you know, they put a little comedic thing in there, obviously. And he, like, destroys the desk. And he's yeah. like, I need to go. I'm alive. I'm alive. And I'm sure that was a joke to a lot of people. But to me, that, like, hurt. Yeah. And, and like, I won't go into details about it. But I kind of just, there there's very, like, there's I, there's I know, reasons yeah. that you would know. Yeah. I, that that was, like, a really powerful scene to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Because it just, yeah, it just kind of clicked. I was yeah. like, that just... You know, I, I know people like that. And, and <laughs> so. something I also think, uh, what you were saying about, you know, the, what I saw in, in, in that thing was a huge uh, recurring pattern of passion mm-hmm. of, you know, it does put emphasis on like, you know, this one thing that you think that you like, like this one thing that you want to do in your life doesn't mean that if you don't accomplish that or if you don't get to the furthest point that you have in your mind that you want to get to, doesn't mean your life is a failure. Now, devoting yourself to that and working on it and always doing it, that's always good. And, you know, that's called passion. That's called doing what you want to do and striving to do better with it. What you don't want it to overtake is experiencing life too. You don't want it to overtake you. It's one aspect of life. Yeah. And if you make it 100% of your life, the minute that you stumble in that, you have nothing else keeping you up. And that's what you know? the uh that's what happened when he finally got his dream, when he finally booked yeah. a gig, he became part of the band, you know, he was going to do that every night and he's like, "Oh, I just thought this would feel different." Mm-hmm. And it's because he focused so much on that that he didn't stop to experience everything else. I mean, Cause he's not going for, he's not trying to be happy. He's trying to feel fulfilled. Yeah. And he's desperately trying to be fulfilled with his greatest passion in life, which is music and playing piano in a jazz band. And he finally accomplished, accomplished that. But he realized that that's one piece of the puzzle in actually gaining fulfillment and being okay with, you know, the life that you have and him recognizing that he does have things that fulfill him in other aspects of his life. And that like final piece he plays on the piano was just kind of him essentially having multiple, a montage of flashbacks being like, Oh yeah, I, I, I have had a positive impact on the world, you know, in my little way by being a music teacher and by being a son to my mother and to his father and stuff like that. You know, it's such a, it was such a good message because I think especially artists it, at least in what I've seen, I'm, I'm totally projecting here because this is at least the stuff I've seen. Yeah. But like, there's so many artists who say, I want to be a painter. I want to be a professional painter. I want to have a gallery. I want to, you know, be known throughout the world. And then you get there and you're like, oh, well, shit. I mean, I'm still me. I still have to wake up. I still have to have breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't completely, <laughs> this isn't giving me everything I need. Yeah which is what the goal usually is. And that goes for everyone. Like every sad celebrity. I was going to say, I'm glad you said that because yeah. I understand your your perspective on it because obviously that's the world that you live in. Yeah. But I'm also like, this goes for anything. Yeah. If you're, this goes for if you're, you know, working as as some sort of, you know, as some sort of marketer, as real estate, per, like anything that you have an aspiration, like, oh, my goal is to, is as a, like, you know, sell this ticket of a house or sell or, or, or do this, mm 
blank of whatever career that you decide to go into or whatever passion you that drives you, you know, anyone it experience it can it can be translated to anyone's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really can. And, and and it just showed you like to me the most beautiful parts about the movie. And like I I spent the past 4 years in New York City. And like they nailed the city. Like to me the city was just represented in a perfect way because i think when people think about new york city especially people who haven't lived there they see it as this like hectic place where there's too much sensory input and it's just ridiculously crazy and everyone's rushing to do everything all at once and everyone's like uh, you know high on caffeine mm-hmm. <laughs> like shaking throughout the city yeah, yeah. The in, in the middle of the chaos you have that yeah and and the character who when she's like possessing his body or whatever she like c- completely freaks out Rightfully so. It's like sensory overload. Yeah, sensory overload, because especially she's never felt anything, because when you're just a soul, you can't feel anything. Yeah. Which was really interesting. Um, But then, you know, she experiences just the quiet moments of living in that city, at Mm -hmm. least. And and just, you know, obviously it extends to life in general. But it was just such a nice, like, representation of the entire spectrum of emotion. Yeah. Yeah in such a short span of time in like a few hours, mm-hmm. she essentially experienced every emotion there is. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, and then decided at the end that she wanted to be a human being, which is really crazy. And also being in his body, she experienced the same feelings and thoughts that he has. Yeah. So she felt his passion for music. And mm-hmm. when she was listening to music, cause music would never usually have an effect on her when she was, yeah. you know, still the, in the, uh, the great before and uh, being in his body experience experiencing a a subway guitarist performing she like was like oh like I've never felt like this way when I listen to music like this is crazy he's like well yeah you're in my body like you're feeling the passion that I have for music yeah. and it almost kind of struck a chord with her, even though she knows it was his feelings, but like, this is what a passion is. Yeah. And I don't necessarily need to find this right away, but you know, this is a feeling that's obtainable in life. Yeah. And the barber who, what was his name? I forget his name, but he was such a great character. I think his name. Yeah. I forget his name, but, uh, I mean, I just watched it like one Dez? time. Dez? Was it Dez? Yeah, I think it was Dez. Because I... Dez sounds familiar. That was played by Donnell Rawlings. I think it mm-hmm. was him. I'm not sure, but... Um, he basically plays uh, uh, the main character's barber. Uh, Joe Gardner is the main character. Mm-hmm. He plays Joe's barber. And he comes in, like, kind of late, I would say, like, in the last quarter of the movie to get his hair fixed up. Mm-hmm. And they get into this deep conversation because now it's not, it's not Joe in his body. It's the soul. Yeah. It's 22. And because Joe, all he ever talks about is jazz and and music. And he even says that before going in there, that all they talked about was music and 22 being kind of in this very deep mental search of what, what, what she wants to do and what she wants to be and, what she thinks about life 
gets into this very deep conversation with the barber Mm -hmm. and uh, starts talking about, you know, what the barber, his life is like. And, uh, you know, the barber goes on to say that he always wanted to be a vet and he couldn't afford veterinary school. So he then became a barber because it was cheaper. And it's not that, you know, he always thought he thought he was meant to be a veterinarian. And uh, when he became a barber and and she 22 says, oh, you know, so you're like, that must suck that you're unhappy stuck in this job. And I was like, oh, like, well, like, hold on. Like, I'm not unhappy. Like, this is amazing. Like, uh, I'm having a great time. Like, I love being a barber now. And it's just, you know, that's just the way life went. And I'm enjoying every moment of it. And Mm. it kind of keys right into the very last line of the movie with Joe saying as he's walking out, he's like, you know, he's like, I, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, because the, the, whatever the Terry or Joe Jerry's Jerry's the, <laughs> the, the Terry was the evil one, Terry's not evil, evil but the antagonist yeah, yeah. one. Uh, Jerry was like the overseeing spirit people. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh, like, well, what are you going to do now? He's like, oh, well, I don't know, but whatever it is, like, I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. Like, yeah. and that's like, that's it. Like you couldn't get a better ending line than mm. that. Cause that's like the whole thing. Yeah. I think it's just, it was just so well put because there's just the people who are like spiritually. Okay. Like the, the, um, what were their names? They were like the moon, uh, uh, moon wind. Yeah. Moon wind and the other people. Yeah. 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 The people who are just spiritually. Okay. And happy all the time are the people who are just experiencing Moonwind Miho, I think. I don't remember. I don't remember their names, yeah, but yeah, yeah. played by Graham Norton, which is hilarious. Graham Norton, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because I'm a really big British comedian fan. And so, like, I heard all these, like, Richard Iowati's in it from mm-hmm. uh, The It Crowd and a bunch of other things. Yep, yep. Uh, I heard their voices and I kind of well, freaked out. You know who Curly was? I'm sorry to bring this off he was quest love yeah i, I know, know. I, I know dude, i saw him that he was a drummer and i'm like dude that's quest love i know it's got to be yeah. quest love and then i heard him speaking like that's quest love <laughs> yeah exactly dude um but yeah like the people who are spiritually okay are the ones who are just taking things in like mm-hmm. they're just processing life and enjoying the little stuff and they're not crazy you know and to go with that, Moonwind's job was spinning a sign. He was a sign spinner on the corner of the street. Yeah, and he was and the if, happiest person in the world. Exactly, and like no one's gonna look at that job and be like, "Oh yeah, that's what that's my calling in life. I'm gonna spin a sign yeah. for the rest of my life." And like he played a character who's like fairly old, like he's gray hair, yeah. long, disheveled, like he looks insane, but he's the most at peace than like anyone in the entire movie. Yeah, because I think. The movie isn't trying to tell you that you shouldn't have ambition and you shouldn't go for your dreams. It's just telling you there's more to life than your ambition and there's Mm -hmm. more to life than what you want. And, you know, what you need is often a thousand other things, like a thousand tiny stuff that's going to fill you. Mm -hmm. I feel like it just... Joe was really empty inside because his entire purpose and his entire being was to become a jazz musician. And then there's nothing backing that up. You know, there's nothing filling that. And what was great about the final piece that he was playing 
when he eventually went into this like astral plane <laughs> was that he was playing based off his experiences. Like he realized that he had stuff to say. Yeah. And he had things to pull from and being a jazz musician, he just improvised a uh, piano piece about his experiences about like losing his dad and being with his mom and laid out all the things yeah. that were throughout the entire day that give him the feeling. Yeah. And I think like at least in an artistic perspective you can't say anything like nobody cares if you're making a movie about movies except if you're a insect <laughs> if you're a filmmaker mm -hmm. those are the only people who are going to give a shit like you need to have stuff that's like actually in the pool of inspiration that you could pull from that isn't just I sit down and I draw all day or mm. I paint all day or I make music all day. You know, you can't make a song about songs. I mean, you can, but it's probably not going to be that interesting. But if you make a song about your own personal experiences, then there's actually some value to it because you actually put a piece of yourself in it, not the craft that you're trying to mm -hmm. pursue. And I think that's what the character realized when he was, you know, subconsciously or consciously when he, saw himself living a better life as someone else. Yeah. You know, because this person was just taking in everything. And they were like, oh, yeah, the, the subway is pretty cool. And that homeless man's really good at, not homeless man, but that, like, you know, like that guitarist is just playing a really nice song right now. Yeah. And, like, you know, I had a really good conversation with my barber today, and I met I met my mom and had a really good talk with her. That was, I thought that was a really cool thing, that his memories as 22 being in his body stuck as his own. Yeah. And so he was looking back at those memories as if he was the one experiencing them, but he wasn't. Mm -hmm. But he remembers experiencing them. Yeah. And the memory of experiencing that shows what was missing from his life, of stopping and enjoying the little things and seeing the world you know yeah instead of being confined to like jazz gotta get this gotta get this next thing gotta yeah. get the gig gotta get gotta get a big gotta make money out of this mm -hmm. and um i think a really another aspect of it um that i'm not sure if you got out of it um it definitely wasn't like the biggest thing but uh his relationship with his mom yeah and i think Obviously, the guy is like, you know, his in his like I would guess forties. Yeah, something like that. Like, like he he's an he's an older guy, mm. um, and his mom is very disapproving of him pursuing this music career. And his mom wants him to take this full time position as the band teacher at the middle school. You know, get the benefits, yeah. make a living, and start being able to you know not have to worry about where your income's coming from and you know, rely on, rely on unreliable gigs at yeah. jazz clubs and stuff. Um, and you know, as much as there's, uh, merit to that sort of mindset of being able to, you know, make a living and stuff, uh, on the other perspective of it, it kind of fueled him a little bit more to only like mm. hit the only form of success that would be, uh, accepted by his mom is, Oh, I can make a living off of this. Yeah. And that which is every parent of an artist ever. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that in some aspect, in some like smaller aspect in the, than all the other stuff fueled his like one direction mindset of only going for this and almost 
inhibited him inhibited him yeah. even more from experiencing the importance of enjoying life. Yeah, I mean, he had a really like he had a really good relationship with his dad because he shared a mutual passion. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing he ever got from his mom is practical practicality, <laughs> practicality and and uh, constant support, but you know, always under the veil of like you need to get your shit together kind of idea. Yeah. Whereas like, and like she's not wrong to an extent, but it's just also she essentially is. Whereas Joe has like one piece of the pie, mm-hmm. and he's like let's say one tenth of himself because he's only focusing on that one piece. He, she's like nine tenths of the pie, and well, I, I'm not. I'm speaking like for a fictional character here. I don't actually know her whole backstory, but yeah. like my idea behind it is that she, she doesn't realize that that is his true passion in life. Mm-hmm. Like his true passion in life is playing the piano. Like that's what he really wants to do with his time. But she's so caught up in like survival, yeah, and stuff. Uh, and and through her own experiences of yeah of Joe Gardner's dad, who was also you know chasing a musical career and also deep into jazz and what got him into jazz. But his mom, his mom's tailoring and sewing uh, business mm-hmm. is what paid the bills, is what got them through it all, and what yeah. what she was able to survive off of. So very obviously why she was only able to see in that mindset because she, all she saw her whole life with her husband was I got to pay the bills. I got to provide here while he goes out and tries chasing this passion that never amounted to a yeah. steady income. And, uh, you know, you can read into that a hundred different ways, Yeah. but I guess to put it all one in one thing, like just the, the development of, those interacting stories and characters all came together to kind of fuel what Joe's mindset was like and what, you know, he was trying to just prove that he can do this. And, you know, they're both looking at the opposite spectrums of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you come together that and then add the, the uh, support of, enjoying it as you go along yeah then it comes together yeah it's just such a like uniquely universal story Mm -hmm. like i don't know if they've ever made a story that's this that touches on so many people's oh yeah life experience i think if i mean i know there's a lot of pixar movies and i have a bad memory (laughs) um but the only one that can come to mind in terms of and it's not even remotely as close to as this one is but up would be another one yeah because it was they both deal with death and stuff like that death but also chasing this one thing yeah he like that's what i'm saying it was very that's true same director too though same director very similar but just to a little bit of a lower like like not as in in my opinion not as impactful as what this is yeah, I think because this is a tangible goal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the other one was very fantastical. It's a ta- But it's it's also, what makes it so much more impactful to me is it, it 
as much as it does it in a kind, like in, in a more playfulish way, it deals with the end all be all of of things, like of yeah. of death. Like it's it. Yeah, every single that's the one universal experience, you know. And and I think what really brings it together, what I know we already said, was the fact that he came to the acceptance of him being dead. And, you know, they obviously give him a second chance and give him his life back. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to experience this whole journey that then brought him to the conclusion that's like, you know, like this is okay, you know, it's all right. And, um, when we look at it from a real application, uh, basically his physical body was in the hospital, uh, in a coma, mm-hmm. hooked up to a heart monitor, heart monitor, still, still beeping, still going. Yeah. But, and that's what like the equivalent is like, that's kind of like equating it to like, he's not dead. His soul's not like, you know, he's not out dead. Yeah. It's just, he, he can choose one way or the other way. Yeah. And the fact that he was brought back, it, it in that perspective, it talks about it as like a one-time thing that they've never really done that before. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it in a real-life perspective of people that have been in critical, critical condition or people that have been in the hospital or with terminal illnesses, whatever it may be, yeah. that come back from that, and then they have this newfound appreciation for life. They have this... Oh, yeah. Th- insane perspective that no one could ever imagine unless you go through that type of experience and they come out of it with this oh i'm taking every day as if it's my last as if i will have no more days and that enjoy every single moment of it and you know it just gives you this feeling of like hope of like a feeling of like you which know, is so ironic you know yeah it's 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 just which is it's really funny. Go watch this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's just like you would expect the. You would expect if you actually believe that it's a really scary thing. To die and everything like that, that anyone who had a near death experience would be traumatized for life. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, and I don't know, you know, I don't know enough stories to counter this point. But most of the time, people come back with an appreciation for life and when it's their time to go they're like okay yeah this is it yeah i, I got to live a full life yeah you know I, I think the main source of tragedy when it comes to death is when someone had more time someone should have had more time when it was cut short yeah and like the that little lady in the beginning of the movie like the thing that gets me is that it just it sets up the movie in nine minutes yeah the first 10 minutes are just like you know exactly what's happening and you're okay with it and you're just going on the road mm-hmm. like you can kind of, you know it's just like it was such a good script that's like that's i i, I yeah. the visuals followed it like the visuals were fucking crazy i, I dream of writing a fucking screenplay like but that this, <laughs> yeah the, the the script was amazing um but that little old lady in the beginning she's like oh it must have been sudden for you i'm sorry i'm 106 years old and i've been looking forward to this for a really long time <laughs> yeah, yeah i was like yeah, I mean, she's the goal of she's every lived. human being. Now, 
they obviously that's like on a very deep end of the spectrum of living like i mean yeah. an obscene like an insane amount of time <laughs> like she i think it was like 109 or 100 like something it, yeah something yeah. crazy but like regardless to it it just kind of you know puts a little bit of emphasis on it that she's lived a full life you know she's yeah. she's done and lived and had all this time and knows that like okay this is my time mm-hmm. and you know showing it showed both sides of it with him meeting like him and her together and it's like oh like yeah i've lived my full life yours was sadly cut short and like i know it's hard for you to come to that sort yeah. of thing meanwhile she had that time to come to that conclusion to she had the time to yeah and it it's a such a i don't know if it's just our culture where we like completely reject it because there have been other cultures that have been a lot more okay with death than, I mean, America. <laughs> but it's a lot about what you believe death to be, too. Definitely. I mean, definitely. It, I, I, I can't say I can speak for any culture, so I'm not going to even say anything particular because or specific. I just I couldn't. But you know, there are you know there are some that believe in reincarnation. There are some mm-hmm. believe that you know, so long as you you do good, you are a good person. That you know, you will be in a good place there is just whatever you believe and however you believe it mm-hmm. is what determines that. And also aside from uh, group belief, personal belief of that's something that I always act on. Like this only brought it out even more in me. Like, you know, I know I'm a good person. I know things I do are good. I try to be as the best person I can be. Yeah. And do all the things in life that I want to do and experiencing all the joys that I can experience. And that to me is how I know I'm going to, you know, have a life of meaning and have a life that I'm yeah, happy to, you know, end at whatever point it comes. Yeah. Cause you, I feel like you base good versus evil on, am I personally having the best life I can have? And am I allowing other people around me to have the best life they can have or amplifying it in some way? Whereas, and, and like good versus evil is kind of just a, in my opinion, uh, (laughs) a construct of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, am I improving the world or am I making it worse place? Yeah, no, that's, that's not even, I don't even, I'm not going to go as far as say that's not even your opinion. I think that's just, fact i think that is just fact but you know some people might say okay well you know it's supernaturally put into place like these are the rules i think more it's more of a construct of like okay it's more it's more of a constructed kind of idea of good versus evil yeah um but yeah i just think the movie did such a good job trying to express like the whole movie is about what's your purpose in life. And I know we've already touched on this, but like, it's kind of what they're kind of trying to say is that your purpose in life is to live. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Whatever, whatever you can do in your life that makes it enjoyable and positive and whatever you can do to help other people live their life in a more enjoyable, positive way. That's the purpose of life. And people's purposes, you know, maybe you could do that by becoming an artist or becoming a banker or becoming whatever. Mm -hmm. But that 
you know, doesn't automatically, that isn't your purpose. Your purpose is to make life a better place for yourself and for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, pur- if, your purpose is to live. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, your purpose is to have that life, you know, yeah. have that very temporary experience that we mm-hmm. have, you know, yeah. something that like you can't put into words that easily. Like that's why like we use these roundabout ways of explaining it. Yeah, and, and that's why we did an hour and four minutes. Exactly. Yeah. We use these these tangible items and these these aspirations, these things to amount to that. But like when it comes down to the simple thing of you live it for the enjoyment of living it. Yeah. And you can go back to like hundred years ago, you know, things that were not even invented that aren't around that some people believe to be their yeah. path in life. What, what, what about then? You know, it was very different then, but it was all to, in, at its core, the same thing, live yeah. for your happiness, live for other people's happiness and just for the experience. Yeah. And that's personified by the barber. I think that barber. I think the barber character is one of the most important characters. He's in the one of my favorite characters because he had an idea of what he thought he wanted to do with his life, but he didn't have the opportunity to achieve that goal. And instead of saying, "Oh, I'm a failure," he said, "I'm going to create a life that's worth living mm-hmm. in becoming a barber and having an interesting life with, you know, with that business." Mike, and what a beautiful to way to put that. Thanks, man. I just think that that was a really important character to have in the movie because, like. It really set, I think it, I think he's the catalyst for Joe changing, you know what I mean? Like that seems so important, at least in my head, because obviously like him realizing that the performance wasn't, you know, the main purpose of his life. And although he had an amazing time and he did a really great job and he should continue to do it because it brings joy to himself and other people even though he realized that, you know, it wasn't the main source of happiness and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really important scene too, obviously. That, that scene was like the beginning of the turning point. Yeah. That I was agree. like that was him having that first realization. Yeah. Uh but the show was st- still going to go on. He still ha- wanted to make it to that show and get there. But yeah. like, you know, that was like the seed that was planted in his head yeah. to to form the ideas of after the show when it didn't have that feeling that he thought it would have. Yeah, it was like the head-turning moment. I was like, oh, maybe I wasn't living my life. Like, when he realized he could have had a deeper connection with this barber who he's probably gone to for, like, a decade and mm-hmm. a half, um, and realizing that he had a better co- he had a better connection with this person now after his, like, friend was <laughs> taking over his body. The barber literally said, like, like he, the, the 22 asked him, was like, oh, like, why haven't we never talked about this before? And I was like, well, you, you never asked. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, you know, I'm glad for once that we ta- didn't we didn't for once talk about music and only music. Like yeah. that that line to me spoke so much. Yeah. Because you could be having all these different connections that you think these are like, you know, these are great people, and yeah, they they, they are friends. I'm not going to deny that they aren't your friends or family or whoever it is. Yeah. But that connection of like opening up to something more than just a surface level thing that only you're thinking of or mm. only you're doing and. Exp- and, it, and spreading that to like, well, what's going on in your life, you know? Yeah. And that opened it up to such a deep conversation. Yeah, because, you know, a mutual interest is a branching off point. It's like a stepping stone to a greater relationship where you can actually really connect. Yeah. 
Because that's just like, You okay. form the bonds with that person yeah. str- even stronger than it was before. And that's very much a, like a, you know, it's very like much like a kindergarten kind of relationship. And I think a lot of people have very like, acquaintances are like kindergarten relationships to me. It's like, yeah, we like, I like trucks. Let's play with our trucks <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah. And then you move on from there. And then, you know, eventually you get to a place where you're comfortable enough with these people. And some people are more comfortable than others with sharing yourself with them mm-hmm. and actually connecting and really developing friendships and relationships with people. And that was such a, I'm, I'm interested to see why they didn't bring in the girlfriend character because Which, they kept hinting at her. Uh, they like, apparently Joe Gardner had a girlfriend and like they weren't talking. Which oh, I think speaks volumes too, yeah. because like when they the 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 text thing like who's whatever yeah. twenty two was like who's this who's this and then twenty two had like his memory so she was like you should really like talk to her yeah 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 I think obviously they didn't have time for it because the movie takes place in like a day but uh, <laughs> I like just a, think the only thing like I can only imagine why they didn't put anything in it is because yeah. it wasn't needed it, yeah it wasn't needed I agree with that but them just kind of bringing it up i was like yeah it's interesting that they're bringing it up and they're not actually developing it but what's great about it is that it really shows in a tangible way that a lot of people can understand especially adults who have been through relationships if you are lost in your own head and in in your own ambitions you completely detach yourself from everything including probably really healthy important relationships which is probably what joe was doing when he was so obsessed with becoming a jazz musician, he probably had a really thing, good thing going with this woman and then, you know, fell well, apart because he was too lost in his head. Even more directly, when he was back, when they made it back to the apartment and the student comes by who was that really good trombone player. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I want to quit. I don't like this. And Joe's like kind of half listening was like, oh, she doesn't mean that, whatever. Yeah. But he's like only focusing on like, okay, get the suit on, do this. Mm-hmm. And 22 is like, no, I'm going to leave. And she leaves, but like runs back out with the girl or was going to leave with the student and ends up sitting in the stairwell yeah. with the girl playing that piece mm-hmm. and her being like, oh, like that was amazing. She's like, oh, so like. Yeah, it, I, I I love it. I should continue it, right? And it's like, yeah. But meanwhile, the real Joe is in the apartment still only thinking about getting to the show. Yeah. And when 22 walks back in saying, he's like, oh, like, that's so weird. She came in saying that she wanted to quit, but ended up saying that she loved it and that she didn't want to quit. And she was really good, too. Like, why did that happen? And Joe very nonchalantly was like, oh, that's, it's cause she loves it. It's cause she loves it and she's good at it. So like, she's going to continue it. Obviously, like it's something that she loves to do and she's really good at it. And then immediately back to like, okay, we got to get dressed. We got to go to the show. And it's like, that's such a, it's almost the same relationship he had with that student that became the drummer that got him that gig. Yeah. Like that is the guy in the, the character literally says, like, this is why I became a musician. This is why I became a drummer, because your class, because of what you taught me yeah. and the impact that you had on my life. And he almost, like, brushed it off. He almost brushed it off for his own, like, oh, well, thanks for yeah, getting I, me this game. I mean, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I think Joe's such a really, he's a good guy deep down, but I'm, I'm saying it, like, as if he's a real person. But he is an incredibly selfish character. Yeah. Incredibly selfish. To the point where he was literally like stealing things from 
unborn souls <laughs> and be like, I want this badge. It's mine. I deserve to live. Yeah. I mean, it's, so obviously, like, you know, it just kind of extends into and so, like, the people that he even cares about, you know. That precious moment with that new student where that moment right there could have made or break broken her spirit to continue and pursue that. Like yeah. what he could, what he said in that moment, if that was really Joe in his own body, that could have destroyed her. Like which he is almost, what he did to 22 at the end. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, he, as the cat of himself said like, Oh, like when, when the girl knocked, like, Oh, I can't deal with this right now. Mm-hmm. As if it was like a bother. Yeah. And like, it makes sense. Yeah. You have this stress. Like you want to make it to the show. Like this is your big break. Yeah. But you're jeopardizing a kid's love for yeah. music and talent for music and something that you're equally as passionate about that you should be happy that they're that passionate and should be happy that they're that good at it yeah. and should push them to continue it and go through whatever hardship they're going through because they're almost mirrored characters. Yeah, I mean, he's stum- I think his biggest flaw as a character is that he only cares about himself. And, and, and not... Not, like, completely. Like, he's not completely arrogant. He's just, like, completely in his own head. But he, to, to an extent, he kind of is. And, like, he has these really successful relationships all around him. The the old drummer student, this new student with the trombone, his mother, which I don't know if it's a successful relationship, but at least has the potential to be one. Mm-hmm. And then his, like, ex-girlfriend and uh, with 22 and all these other things. Like, he has all these positive things going on in his life. But he's tuning them all out because they're, quote-unquote, getting in the way of his dream. Yeah. Even though they might be helping him get his dream. It's exactly how you put it before, yeah. Yeah, so it's just such a... The reason I think it's such a good script is because every single character and every single scene helps make the theme come to the forefront. It's, and it's makes layered. Sense. It's layers and layers yeah. of things that support the driving key, like the driving factor of the characters yeah. and the driving factor of the story. Every single relationship he has in the entire movie is affected by his biggest flaw. There's not one thing in there that is With, like, oh, they could have done without that character or like that scene wasn't really needed to show whatever. They're all like, yeah, it all just built it even more and emphasized everything yeah it's just it's honestly just the tightest script i've ever i've ever seen it's just such a it's such a like it was i don't know how many like they had to have gone through like 200 edits like like 300 edits like (laughs) seriously i I don't know how many times they rewrote this i was thinking of like the pitch for the for the movie of how that could have gone because i can't imagine it was an easy movie to pitch it must have oh, been yeah, very I want to hard. make a kid's film about death and exactly like life's you purpose can't, and stuff. As like much that, as yeah. we say, like you know, it's a very grown-up topic, and like it's really, really good for adults to watch. Yeah, you can't avoid the fact that it's a child, it's a children's company, and their demographic is trying to reach to younger people. I would be fascinated to see what a ch- child's. Re- I've only ever heard people our age see it, and mm-hmm. I've only ever heard their opinions about the movie. I really and like anyone older than us, you know. Like celebrities that I've seen have liked it, like Steve Zerbo. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I loved what Steve posted about that too. Oh, yeah, that was good. I re I reposted or whatever on Instagram. But like, I would be fascinated to see what a child thinks about this, because I would love to watch it with them, with like a yeah, child. 
I say them. I, just, I say I would like to watch it with all the with children. The children of the world. <laughs> I'd like to be the Michael Jackson. Invite them to mine. Yeah, because like I think it's meant for kids who are about to enter this phase of trying to figure out who they are. Because when you're a kid, you're very much like the souls in the beginning. We're just kind of empty. You have your personality traits where this is just how you react to things on like a base level. And you have your minor experiences that have influenced you. Mm -hmm. But besides that, you haven't really lived long enough to really have any passion for life um, and any real goal. Because you don't know that life is, you don't really comprehend time yet. Yeah. So you don't know that it's going to end. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like it's sad. You don't know that you're going to die. It's super morbid, but honestly, that's the truth. Like, that's what All I'm trying to say. All you babies out there. <laughs> like, but like, then you get to a point where you're a teenager and you're changing and you're trying to figure out like what you're going to do with your life because people are telling you, you need to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I have like, you know, family who's going through this because I'm the oldest cousin or whatever. And I, I, I do ask them all the time. I'm like, what do you? What do you want to do? Like, where do you want to go to college? What do you want to study in college? And that's a very easy first step, you know? Maybe not even, it's, it's a very difficult step too for some kids. Some people just, just know, like they just have their passion. Like some the people main find it really early on. That's, yeah, that's the, that's what it's it is. a really tangible passion where like Joe Gardner just like, I found out I wanted to be a musician and I became a musician and I might be struggling, but this is who I am. But then there's people like 22 who are just like, oh, I just really like life <laughs> and maybe when they be, like get into a body they'll figure out like a specific thing they love uh about life and that, what they want to pursue but um i think this target demographic isn't really you know six to ten year olds i think it's more early teenager to like graduating high school student <laughs> and oh, yeah. beyond i mean like obviously it, it speaks to adults very clearly but I don't know what the demographic is. I really do think it's people who are going through a transition from who they are on a base level and what they've been told to do step by step because there's plenty of people who just don't really know what they want to do with their life, but they're just told this is what you have to do so they accomplish that. Uh, and then they have to really figure out, okay, well, I have all this time. Or I have a certain amount of time. What am I going to do with it? Uh, and this movie just speaks to those people very clearly, I think, mm -hmm. or at least gives them like a warning sign. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> because our culture really is obsessed with productivity to an unhealthy degree. Oh yeah. It's always, what's the next innovation? What's the yeah. next thing? You know, keep going, keep pushing for more stuff, get that product out, get that yeah. thing Be out. Because in our most formative years, it's. You go through kindergarten, you go through preschool, you go through middle school, you go through high school, you go through college, and then you're just left. Produce. To, and then produce whatever you can for society. And that's not like a total, that's not like a bad thing to an extent, but it definitely tells kids that there's always going to be a goal that you should be accomplishing, mm -hmm. even if you know it or not, when in reality, it's up to you. Yeah. And it really, it, like as you were saying, it speaks to those kids that may not know what yeah, what they want to do and what they're going to pursue. Like people that, you know, graduate high school and they're like, I don't even know if I want to go to college yet or at all. Yeah. I don't know what I want to do yet. And to give them the feeling that it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't have to like, let's figure it out. <laughs> you're young. You know, life isn't about finding that one thing you want to do. Life is about experiencing 
everything, the vast majority of everything that you can experience until something just clicks with you and you're like, oh, that I really enjoyed that. Or, you know, this really brings me happiness to, yeah. to do this. And then you then you go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I feel like we're going in circles and it, it's we're, yeah. at, we're, at, like, is, uh, we're no, at like an hour and 20 minutes. I, I really do think that this was probably like the most that we can talk about it without anyone having their own feelings and thoughts on it too. I'm very much wanting to know what everyone thinks. So we're going to be making Instagram post. If you feel inclined enough, post what you guys think about the movie. Yeah. Send us some DMS, man. send us anything. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I, I, uh, such a fascinating movie. And I'm so happy that it came out. I'm like floored for it. I'm, it's I'm crazy. really, really glad it. It's a great movie. Well, Ben, it seems inappropriate to say wear a condom, but wear a condom. Yeah, guys. after all that <laughs> deep talk, wear a goddamn condom. Yeah, that's true. All you fuckers out there. Life is hard, apparently, so don't have kids when you don't need to. Yeah. <laughs>